0: Where we spend our time and where we spend our money says a lot about what's near and dear to us. What is it that we worship?
1: Welcome to the Influencers Podcast. I'm Scott Young with your co-host Dave Donaldson. We are in episode two of a fascinating discovery of finances with Bob Dahl. Uh, If you missed episode one, maybe you want to press pause and go back and listen to the first episode and then pick up what we're talking about today. We're talking about money. We're talking about your money. We're talking about how to get ahead with wise investment strategies in the current financial climate. If Bob is new to you, he is a, can I say it? Financial genius. He's the chief investment officer for Crossmark. He has held similar positions at Merrill Lynch and Oppenheimer. He has an MBA from the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania. He's a certified public accountant. He's a chartered financial analyst. He holds the FINRA Series 7, and he has a securities license in 63 fields. I would say he's worth listening to. And Bob, we are glad that you've joined us for Episode 2 as we talk about something that's close to people's hearts, their finances. My honor
2: and privilege, Scott. And Bob, we know what's closest to your heart is your faith in God. And the Bible says in Hebrews 11.1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, meaning that the root system of hope is faith in God. And that includes our finances. But so many people have given in to fear instead of faith that God owns it all and he'll help us, he'll guide us to be the best stewards possible of the gift of money. Based on the times that we live in, and and obviously it's so uncertain, uh, what are some ways our audience can incorporate their faith into their finances?
0: Well, you touched on one of them that I I want to reiterate, and that is God owns it all. Um, You know, it's, it's not just our money. God owns everything we are. He's given us our bodies, our minds, yes, our money, time, relationships, and the list goes on. And the question that I ask myself and anybody who will listen to me is, what are we doing with all of that? There's, there's a day of accountability coming. You know, I, I kind of I play an exercise every, every once in a while. It's Saturday afternoon, nobody else is home. And I hear a knock at the door. It's Jesus. He said, Bob, I got an hour. C- can we look at your checkbook and your calendar? Oh, wow. Why would you want to look at those things? Because where we spend our time and where we spend our money says a lot about what's near and dear to us. What is it that we worship? It's what we do with time and money and other things God's given us. So that's bedrock in my view.
1: So you're involved in a faith community. You're part of a, a local church and you don't just sit on the benches. You are the choir director. Of your church, can, can you tell us how that happened, how you got into that? Has music been part of your background, or how did you become a choir director?
0: Yeah, so uh, way back when, uh, second through sixth grade, my mom made me take piano lessons. <laughs> and we lived in a row house in Philadelphia, and I'll never forget we could hear my friends outside in the alley playing ball, and I was forced to practice the piano. That's how I got started. I didn't like it much then, but I've thanked my mom many times since. And I started playing in Sunday school. At one point, they needed somebody to uh, play the organ. Bob, would you give it a try? And uh, I'm a pretty good imitator of others. So I've sung in choirs, and so I kind of imitate the best of what I've seen in others. And I've been directing our local church choir now for
1: almost 40 years. Forty years, a long time. (laughs) So you talked about accountability, and I'm just going to say, as a pastor, uh, anyone that's faithful in service for 40 years, I think there's a crown that's waiting (laughs) for you. Well, well, you know, on a serious note, and I think you'll agree with this:
0: God established the church. There's so many parachurch ministries, and I love many of them and participate. But he didn't. He didn't formulate or establish any of those. Established the local church. So, my view is all of us that name the name of Christ, our first responsibility is to do something beneficial in the local church. And then all the outreach that comes from that's wonderful.
1: I'm a pastor, so I'm going to say amen.
0: I I suspected
2: you might. Yeah, yeah, I knew he was going to say amen to that. And he's ready to pass the offering plate, too. You know, it's interesting, even when it comes to giving. Because you look at, in Deuteronomy, the practice, in Leviticus, it was to first, all of us have a field. Even the Apostle Paul says, we're all a field. That represents our time, talent, resources that you eloquently described. The first fruits of that field go to the storehouse, the church, right? And then the Bible says, then leave the corners of the field for the poor, you know, for missions, you know around the world. and I think sometimes you know we we either burn the corners, consume the corners so there's nothing left, we exceed the corners with debt. Uh, but the Bible is very clear to keep those in order and he'll expand our field and our capacity to give and to serve. and but thank you for saying that about the local church because that's why our organization, exists, city serve, to really strengthen, encourage, equip, resource the local church around the world, including right now in Ukraine, you know, 1,800 churches that we're helping.
0: It's fantastic so. work. Um, the need the need is great, as uh, you, you all know, and uh, there's so much for us to do. And it, it, here in the U.S., I mean, I, you know, I'm going to sound like an old guy here. I remember when I was a kid. We were encouraged to be Christians. And then I woke up one day and we were kind of tolerated. And now it's sort of, you're Christian? And so the, uh, uh, the fighting, um, fighting the battles uh, can be more uphill than it's been. And as you said at the front end, we're trying to be salt and light. That's, uh, that's what God's put us here to do.
1: How do you find living your Christian faith in the marketplace uh, that you are living in day by day?
0: Yeah, with uh, sometimes uh, great um, issues and uh, um, uh, facing difficult mountains. Other times, encouraged. I now work for Crossmark, which is a faith-based money manager that manages values-based products. So when I sit around the table, um, you know, we're we're all rowing in the same direction, the same worldview, and that's a big change from my first forty years in the investment management business, where. You know, I would think one thing and the company might have been thinking something different. In fact, it was a time when I lost my job for sharing my faith. So it hasn't been a smooth ride, but it's been God's ride.
1: You you also are about accumulating and being a steward of wealth and building wealth. And sometimes in the church, there's a a hesitancy to um, encouraging uh, people. How do we help our people to be wise with their money? to make sure their money is not managing them, but they're managing their money? How do we help them to be successful in their financial world?
0: A couple of things come to mind right off, and that is to whom much has been given, much is required. Uh, So those who have wealth have a responsibility. And at the other end of the spectrum, uh, when God trusts us with little and we prove faithful, sometimes he trusts us with more. Uh, I mean, so many Christians say, you know, if I only had a little bit more, even wealthy people that I deal with a a lot, you know, how much is enough? The answer is a little more than I have. You know, it's always, always never quite satisfied. And uh, it comes back to recognizing what we said before. It's all God's. It's not mine. If we're truly mine, who cares what I do with it? But if it's truly God's, now all of a sudden, I have an awesome opportunity and responsibility to be a good steward of of, of, of that uh, wealth, as well as all the other resources God's given us. I guess the other thought that pops in my mind is um, one of the barriers that I I see for people in generosity and stewardship is not recognizing that we're just passing through. This is not our home. Mm. If this were our home... We care a whole lot more about our things here, but since we're only on this planet this long and an eternity this long, maybe longer, uh, the perspective can be very, very different. So there are some stray thoughts to your good question.
1: No, no, th- those are excellent thoughts. In fact, I would I would just observe that y- you are into long-term investments. Here, beyond... here. Beyond uh, yeah. the 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, 100 years, generous. There's long-term investments that go beyond this very brief period of time that we get.
0: Yeah, but beatitude uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount, when our Lord says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, and he gives all the reasons why, people stop there. But he then says, do store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Yeah, And as our friend Randy Alcorn says, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. And we're trying to send it on ahead as I know you guys are as well.
1: And and then immediately he says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Amen. And just the things that you love. And you said it so well. Let me see your let me see your calendar. Let me see your checkbook. It shows what you love. And when you really move away from self-love, which is, I believe, following the Jesus way, to move away from self-love to loving others to loving God and what he's doing, uh, I think generosity flows a lot easier. Now, Dave is a champion of compassion. He's a champion of encouraging people to be generous. And uh, we just are glad to be together with you, Dave. Well, you know, I like to say if God
2: can get it through you, he'll give it to you. Yes, yes.
0: Well, and, good line.
2: you know, Bob, one of the things that troubles me as somebody who is, trying to be faithful with my giving but also challenging others to give is the amount of money that is in these donor advised funds that is stuck there and people are giving basically the minimum they're giving what they made that that year the interest off of it and yet the principal is being hoarded and and when i've asked people about it they'll say well i'm looking for the best opportunity <laughs> well what are you waiting for
0: you're, you're so right. Uh, my wife and I have the attitude that we want our last check to bounce. And so as we get older, we realize we have to accelerate uh, the, the amount and the pace at which we give because we don't want it left to who knows what they'll do with it after. First of all, we want to, I don't want Uncle Sam to get any of it. Uh, and secondly, let us let us get to places that if if all the needs were met, different story, but not all the needs are met. So I'm right there with you to say, let's get it going. Not just what we earned on it, but it itself.
2: I remember talking with one businessman who God really did a work on his heart, heart surgery, moving from hoarding to really investing in the kingdom generously. And he said, I don't want to be the richest person in the cemetery. (laughs)
0: You you know, the old story about John D. Rockefeller, when he died, his accountant was famously asked, well, how much did John D. leave? And the answer was all of it. (laughs) <laughs> not very helpful.
1: Well, I have a new life goal. I just picked it up for my last check to bounce. Uh, that's here, brilliant. Here. I, I that's love awesome. that. <laughs> it's a great that we, goal. Yeah, it is to, to just uh, be a wise steward of our life. And the, the um, uh, just the perspective that you bring that our lives are not our own, that we are um, managers and not owners really helps people. And I, I think that, In a materialistic society, and you, how do we break or change the view from materialism to from stuff being important to the spiritual aspects of life being important? How do we shift people's view? Yeah, it's a matter of the heart, as we know. So we
0: we have to convert their hearts. Uh, which means, you know, I think of Romans 12 too, don't be conformed to the image of this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And if our minds are transformed, there's a good chance that they'll be moving in a direction where I mean, it's not really mine and he needs it more than I do. Let's start giving it away. But if we don't seek consciously to be transformed, we will be conformed to the image of this world. And that just happened to way too many people, Christian and non-Christian alike.
1: So our influencer family that's listening—they have some resource. They have been every week. Some money comes in. How how do people decide? How much of that should be given away? What what's a good benchmark? How do we uh, sort of say, okay, am I being generous or am I being stingy? When do we what what percentage of our resource should we be giving away? So so at the end of the day, all of it. Um, and I, I I reverse the question.
0: If it's really God's. My question is how much is not how much should I give, it's how much should
1: I keep. Wow. Mm. We
0: received, my wife and I, um, an example of somebody when we were in our 20s of a couple who said, Bob, you're on Wall Street. You're probably going to make a lot of money. Cap your lifestyle. And as God prospers you with more, raise your standard of giving, not your standard of living. So th- that's one thing I would share with people to think about what that means for them. And then we go uh, back to where Dave talked about uh, some of the things in the Old Testament. The tithe was the tax. It was the minimum. And then the offerings on top of that, was that a double tithe? I'll bet there's some people listening that maybe can be reverse tithers. Hmm. That is keep 10% and give away 90%. Hmm. Um, You know, that, that, that's a a wonderful exercise to, to try with, with, Obviously, with careful thinking, I'm not saying be reckless about it, Uh, but uh, usually we all can give a little more than we are. The old, what's sacrificial giving to us in materialistic America?
2: You know, I love what you said about it. It, it, It's a heart thing. I got to tell you, when I get up in the morning, I have this phone in my hand right here. On this phone, it has all my stocks, but it also has my Bible. And it's so tempting, Bob, to go straight to the stocks yes, yes. instead of the scriptures, yes. <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yep, the temporal versus the eternal, my friend. And but I let's talk a little bit about uh, people that don't have much money and are struggling. They're not even making ends meet. They're not making. It's putting a lot of pressure uh, on their marriage. It's bleeding into every part of their life. Uh, how would you advise them? I mean, we know a lot of marriages are in trouble right now. People listening right now, their marriages, you know, are on the rocks because of the financial strain.
0: I have found that uh, rich or poor, often money is the biggest source of discontent and argument uh, among married couples. Yep. But to the to the to the lower end, if you will. Um, Make sure you have a, you're have. you trying to have a budget. I know it's easy for me to say, but if you don't have a budget, you're likely to get into more trouble than if you do have a budget. Um, sit down and figure out what, what is it that we absolutely have to spend to live? And what does that look like compared to the income I'm getting, whether that's from a job or a social security check? You know, how, how does that all work? And uh, I often say, Also, sit down with somebody who knows what they're doing, who's done it before, a financial advisor um, and a financial planner. uh, They're the people that can be more objective. They're not living in the shoes of the guy or the gal or the couple that's really struggling can provide a little more objectivity. So there are a few practical thoughts, I hope, uh, to get people going.
1: And as a pastor, getting people out of debt is they're just eaten up by living beyond their means and they get into a trap that they need to a cycle they need to break out of so that budgeting to get out of debt and to move forward in their life is incredible dave do you have any more questions no i think it would be good for us to push the pause button
2: and to pray right Mm -hmm. now and bob would you mind leading us in prayer for our listeners
0: i'd be thrilled too let's pray. So, Father, we come to you as uh, needy children, uh, needing of your grace and mercy, and we thank you for your provision of that. Father, we've been talking about things you've given us. Yes, money, but more broadly, everything we have, our bodies, our minds, our IQs, uh, everything, uh, our relationships, yours. And so when it comes to money, Father, help us to be prudent souls uh, that seek to satisfy you, recognizing that it is not ours, but yours. And what a privilege and responsibility, therefore, we have. So make us good stewards. Mm. Help us to appropriate the lessons in your word, to follow hard after you. So uh, these things um, get to the point where someday we'll hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. What wisdom we have had. Uh, episode one, very financial. Episode two, the foundation of life, the spiritual foundation. I want to encourage you to listen to both of the episodes with our incredible guest, Bob Dahl. And also in the show notes, connect with the newsletter that he gives out, Doll Deliberations, which is filled with wisdom. And we really encouraged dave to read his bible before doll deliberations but i know he is an avid reader and uh, as he began he said he's a fan and i can see why friends what wisdom bob thank you for coming to share with us you help us to increase our influence which is what this program is all about thank you thank you thank you my joy and privilege we hope you enjoyed this episode
2: of the influencers podcast on the charisma podcast
1: network. If you enjoy our content, we would love for you to subscribe and have the opportunity to tune in to future podcasts. You can follow us on all social media platforms at The Influencers Podcast Official. You can stay up to date, hear more inspiring content, and unlock your full potential as an influencer.
2: Remember to use your influence to create lasting change that draws the world closer to Jesus.